A lot of those songs remind me of people I love. That song reminds me of Grandpa so much. He would sing that every day. You know one thing he would do? He would, uh, I loved it. He would go out all the time and wax his car. And they would hear him whistling hymns. And that was one that he would sing a lot of times at home when he was getting stuff together. He'd be whistling that while he was waxing his car. And you knew he loved the Lord. And if you didn't, you didn't know him. <laughs> and I love that. I love that about him. Boy, I miss him. When I hear those songs, a lot of times I'm singing to the Lord, but I'm also saying, you know, Grandpa, I'm going to be with you real soon someday. You and Dad and everybody, Jesus and everyone. Can't wait to be up there talking to David and talking to Daniel and all those people. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Who here knows the heaven's going to be fun? Yeah. Hallelujah. When I was a little kid, I couldn't quite comprehend it. What? No toys in heaven? And my dad, my dad said to me, because dad talked to a little kid, he said, well, son, are toys fun for you? I said, yeah. He goes, well, think about this. When you get to heaven, it's going to be like, he never said there's going to be toys. He said, it's going to be like having all the toys you want. I said, like, he man? He goes, yes, like every kind of thing you want. He goes, he goes I'm not saying there's going to be a he man. He said, but it's going to be like every kind of he man you can, and he goes, you're going to have them all. <laughs> so think about that. Like all the fun you can have here and more. That's what's going to be like. Everything that makes you, that for me and where you are fun is there. Yes. You can play pitch and she's going to like it. <laughs> and she will win. <laughs> uh, she won't complain neither. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's all now turn to page, <coughs> pardon me, to 1 Corinthians. I'm still in Sunday school in my head. To 1 Corinthians 16, 14. And you know what? I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you stand. Oh, never mind. Go ahead and stand. <laughs> to 1 Corinthians 16, 14. I already saw a couple were standing, and they're like, now wait a minute. Why couldn't you say this before I stood? Okay. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. It's a short one. We, you know it because we just did it. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done with love. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Last week, we talked about all the types of love in the Bible. We talked about Eros love, which is romantic love, you know. We talked about uh, Sturge love, that's the family love. We talked about that. We talked about uh, Filio love, that's friendly love. We talked about, uh, help me, Lord, uh, I can't remember the, the uh, Filio, well, whatever it was. The one that's uh, self-love, that having self-respect and all that. I can't remember how to pronounce it now because it was a, a really hard for me to say. That's the one. That's the one. She said it. I'm not even going to try because it was hard for me to say when I had it written in front of me. So, <laughs> but either way, uh, self-love. That's not to be prideful. That has self-respect. Uh, but we talked about how that's all under the umbrella. Not as important as the most important love, which is agape love. God's love. Some people misunderstand that, thinking that we can all, everybody has agape love. The truth be told is they're all under agape love. God loves everybody. But really only a Christian can feel agape's love, agape love, which is to say that we can have agape love through us. Because we know that God is all loving. And that's the title of today's sermon, All Loving. And I have all capitalized for a reason. If in case you saw it, I had my mother do that. All loving. He's an all loving God. This misunderstood sometimes. The world misuses it. Many ministers misunderstand it and misuse it. They mispreach 
what all loving means. But that's what we're going to talk about today, an all-loving God. What does it mean that he's an all-loving God? Well, let's talk about that. Let's look now to 1 John 4, 8. By the way, here in a little bit, you don't have you can mark it. You don't have to keep it there. But here in a little bit, we're going to read all of 1 John chapter 4. The whole chapter? Yes, that's 21 verses. But we're going to read all that here in a little bit. Not just yet. But let's read 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. The verse that gets misused sometimes, especially the last three words, is, it says in 1 John 4, 8, Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And they take those last three words, God is love. And this is all true. Of course, God is love. Many times people misuse the thing that God is hateful, that God is mean, that God is condemning, that God is a creep, a jerk, all these other things. They say it all the time. We see it all the time. One of the things that we watched last Wednesday was a minister, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but a minister who believe that God is hateful and cruel and is supposed to be a minister, supposed to be a pastor, supposed to be a preacher. I think he's evil. In fact, I think he's demon-possessed myself. But um, he, he's a, a cruel little, little heathen, in my opinion. But um, that being said, uh, his name is Brandon. Appropriate. Uh, that being said, that uh, he um, he <laughs> that he was being that God is evil. And, and I wanted to do all sorts of things to that uh, statement. But God is love. However, when people say God is love, they think it means God loves everything. Well, let's look at what we say when we say God loves all. Does God love all? Well, God loves all people. That's a fact. God does love all people. Because there's some people that believe that God only loves some people. No, that's not true. God does love all people. There are some people, misguided people, who believe that God only loves certain types of people. For instance... There are some people who believe that if you're a certain type, meaning a certain race, that God doesn't love you. Stupid. That's stupid. That's so stupid. God made all people. Doesn't matter the type of skin. You may have more skin than others. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> no, the fact is some people are short. No offense. Some people are tall. <laughs> some people have more hair than others. Some people are better looking. No offense. <laughs> no, the fact of the matter is, is God loves us all, no matter what color your hair, or if you have hair, what color your eyes. Because no, that's, that sounds dumb, Pastor. I know it sounds dumb. You know why? It's dumb to say just because your color of your skin is different than my color that he loves me more or you more or whatever or how old you are. He loves us all equal. He Made us all. We are all of the same race, human race. Come on now. Come on. That's foolish. And you know when I say come on, come on now, you know that means I'm getting in it. The, the point is, is that the point is, is that that is a foolish statement. He loves all people equally. That's why he sent his son. He sent himself in the form of his son. He came to live. To die. To rise up and live again so that we can be saved. So that we will not be dead spiritually. So that we can live forever and ever and ever. Yes, we're going to die physically. That's going to happen. Unless, and you know why, unless. Unless he comes again. And that's a whole other story. But we will die. We will have new bodies. We will be alive spiritually. People say, but wait a minute. Doesn't that mean if, I'm, if I get saved, I'm never going to die you not die spiritually, but we're going to die physically. 
but then we're going to be alive forever. So what does it matter? What I'm trying to tell you is that through Jesus we live, without Jesus we don't. We'll get that in a moment. God loves all people. He loves all people. So if God loves all people, then why doesn't he save all people? He's trying. He came and died for all people. Now, I'm saying this to you for a reason. There are believers. They call themselves Calvinists. I still love them. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. But they actually believe that God only loves a certain amount of people. That he only he that he has it specifically marked off for some people to go to hell. That he wants them to go to hell. That he made it that they're destined to go to hell. The fact of the matter is, is I understand where they get that. They get that in certain Bible uh, verses and they kind of misquoted or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm not going to get into that right now, except to say God died for them too. They decide he gives us free will. You can decide today. Someone brought some cake. Two people brought cake. Some, some people brought some salami, salami, bologna. No, they brought some salami, some cheese and, and crackers and all. You can just, I decided to have some cake because someone brought it to me. I wasn't going to be rude. But the point of that is to say, is if I chose not to eat that cake, that's up to me. If I chose not to eat the salami and all that jazz, that's up to me. That's my choice. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us all. And if you choose, no, I'm not having that. That's up to you. It's your choice. That's free will. You can't blame God. Why am I not going to heaven? Because you chose not to eat of it. You chose not to eat of the bread. You chose not to drink of the blood. You chose not to. Don't blame God for what you choose not to do. Come on. I'm singing to the choir. Okay, here we go. Speaking to it, singing to it, whatever. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 4, 8. Now remember, because Peter knew, knew Jesus so well. Remember, he was once as ignorant as us. And then after Jesus died, he spoke so much more truth. He was just as bullheaded as me at one point. That's what it says in 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, have unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. We're to love all people, but all people like Jesus did and died for us all. We're to love all people, love the lost, love them. That doesn't mean you love what they do, but you're to love them. Oh, but Philip, he's a liar, and so was I. So was you. I hope you're not now. You might be tempted to lie. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't lie. And don't lie to yourself and say you're perfect. <laughs> perfect is the one who lives within you. Not that your thoughts are perfect. Not that your feelings are perfect. But the one who saved you from those thoughts. Who saved you from those feelings. Who saved you from those actions. You know this scripture. Or at least I think you do. Let's now look to John chapter 3. Verse 16 through 18. I read it a lot. But it's important. Especially when you read all three together. Now we could read the whole ordeal. We're not going to. John 3, 16 through 18, as Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Remember, to condemn the world. He did not send him to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I like when they say may be saved. They may be saved might be saved. Verse 18 is my favorite here. He who believes in me is not, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I wanted to do that precisely and slowly, not fast. 
because we need to slowly listen to every single syllable and word that Jesus is saying. I sometimes speak quickly, and that's not good. I don't mean to do it, but I get excited, and I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know that Christ wants you. He wants you. And we need to remember that it's because of this that Jesus came. When people only read John 3.16, they leave out a lot. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad verse. I love that verse. It's the most important verse, except that you need to know all of it. All of it. And let's now read again what Peter says. Now, in 2 Peter 3.9, in 2 Peter 3.9, Peter says this, The Lord is not slow concerning his promises. People think, oh, he's too slow. Why does God take so long? I've been waiting all this time, and I've never seen God fulfill this promise. Listen to what he says. It's because he loves you. He's slow. Listen to this. He's not slow in, in giving us what he promised. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient with us because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He's trying to give them a chance to come to know God. That's what he's waiting for. Peter says this too, and this is in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 34 through 35. Now, I'm going to use the New American Standard Bible on this, because as I said the, uh, earlier today in Sunday school, once in a while, once in a great while, I use other versions to simplify the definition of what's being said. And though I do that with modern English version in most cases, in this one, I thought it made it very simple and easy to understand the definition. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 35. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. No favorites, okay? This is what he says. Verse 35. But in every nation, the one who fears him, this doesn't mean being afraid of him, it means honoring him, respecting him, following him, and does not, the one who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. We're not talking about being saved by actions, but we follow him once we save him, okay? Once we're saved by him and accept him. Okay, John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He went on to say in John 15, 13, I originally was going to put John 15, 13 first because I thought that putting in this order would explain things. But then I thought, no, I'm going to put it in the way that it was put as far as 14, 6 first, and then 14, 15, 13 after. Because it says in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, I used to think this meant that it's good to die for, for your friends, but really he was talking about what he was about to do for us. This morning we were reading from John 17 when he was talking to the Lord in prayer. In John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, he was there in the upper room having that last supper with his disciples. And after Judas leaves, he really opens up and he starts talking to those who are with him. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, all those people who were there. And he was speaking to them about what they were about to go through. The Holy Spirit will be with you, but I will not. He knew they were upset hearing about this. I'm about to leave you. I'm about to go up on the cross. You know, that had to be very emotional. 
But he's about to tell you how wonderful it is. Greater love has no man than this. He's about to lay down his life for his friends. But this is what Jude says in Jude chapter 1, because there's only one chapter. So it's verse 21. Keep yourself in the love of God while you are waiting for the mercy, while you're waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to eternal life. What he means by while you're waiting, while you're looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting right now. We are waiting for God's will. So often we're waiting for those last days. We're in the last days. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. Let's look forward to that. But while we're doing that, let's show the love of God. We have the love of God in us. The love of God is upon us. We have that love of God. God loves all people. He lived. He died. He arose. And we're to let that love be seen on us. Let the people see it. Sometimes we don't want to show the love of God. Sometimes we want to let the flesh come out. I'm, I know I'm not alone on this. It's okay to say amen. Sometimes I want to say things I shouldn't want to say. Sometimes I want to show it, and I know I'm not alone. But we can't. We have to let the love of God be seen in us too. But does that mean, okay, now let me just say this now. This is not an all-loving God. He's an all-loving God, meaning he loves all people, but he's not an all-loving God. What does that mean, quote-unquote, all he doesn't love all that we do because there's a lot of preachers out there, false preachers, I might add, that say he loves all things. Oh, no, he doesn't. He loves all people, but he doesn't love all the things that people do. <sighs> Young, immature, foolish, stupid, Christian, just stupid. I say stupid in the fact that they're immature and uneducated. A lot of those young ministers immature ministers are preaching that if he's a loving God, he'll love everybody and we know he loves all people. He'll love everything we do. No, he won't. He doesn't love sin. He hates sin. But a lot of the young, immature Christians who are still on a pacifier, not even the milk, as I'm saying in uh, Sunday school, they're not even feeding on the milk, which is the word. They change it and they stick a binky in their mouth. A binky that has flavors of what they like all the time and they're not really feeding on the word of God they're feeding on their own word their own understanding feed not upon my own understanding no 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 he does not an all-loving God in the sense that he loves all things that we do because God hates sin he hates sin all through the Bible we see that God hates the sinner hates the sinner hates the killer hates doesn't mean he hates that person but when a person is all invested all diving in like a, off a diving board into sin and loving that sin, just invested completely in swimming in that sin, and they're not getting out of the pool. Is a parent here ever had a hard time getting a kid out of a pool? It's time to go. It's time to go. No, no, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. I love the movie Jaws. Love it. There's this one scene where the kid goes, just five more minutes, it's ten more minutes. I don't remember if it's ten or five. And I've seen it so many times I should have it memorized. But the kid goes back in, and the shark comes in and swallows him whole. Takes the whole uh, deflatable, the craft, whatever it is. He swallows it all. And the kid, the mama, of course, is all upset, and I don't blame her. But sometimes you want to say, now this is not really what I'm saying. It's your fault, mom, for letting the kid get back in. I'm not saying that really. But how many times does the kid go back into the water and they get swallowed by sin? Swallowed by sin. I never thought I'd be using Jaws as an example in the sermon. But except to say this, so very often we have a great white sin wanting to swallow us whole and we're not listening to God the parent saying, get on out of that pool. 
Get on out of there. And we don't, oh, just five more minutes, pops. No, come on, get on out of the pool. Get on out of there. God does hate sin. I got some scripture for you you're going to love. Oh, you're going to love it. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19. God hates sin. Listen to this now. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Write this down. Keep a hold of this. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises, devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. A false witness who speaks lies and he who sows discord among brethren. God hates these things. He hates sin and ways of sin. He hates it. Let's look at Psalm 5.4. Psalm 5.4 says, For you are not a God who has pleasure in wickedness, nor will evil dwell with you. I'm speaking to the Lord. Evil doesn't dwell with God. He can't. You can't have one with the other. You can't. I was, I've been watching a lot of, I'll just say, stupid old mystery shows. I enjoy them. I've been watching uh, Murder, She Wrote a lot. I, I just watched all of them. It's a dumb old show, but I like it. And uh, you can tell what's going to happen 10 minutes into it, really. Now, now I'm watching uh, Matlock. It's dumb, but I like it. There's a lot of other dumb old mystery shows. You can usually tell what's going to happen. But one of the episodes, I don't remember which, because they all kind of run together. Dick Van Dyke has killed so many people in those shows. Anyway, at some point, they put poison into one of the uh, cups. And they, of course, are tricking the killer to make him think that they've done that. They didn't really, but they said, oh, the poison's in that cup. And the, and the killer kind of gives himself away to believe, oh, no, no, don't drink it. Well, it turns out. The poison wasn't really in there, but they thought they were. The point I'm trying to say is, is if poison is in the cup, you don't want to get anywhere near it. How many times do people try to drink poison in the cup of sin? They put, try to put sin in the cup of Christ. And they say, oh, you can be saved and sin all the time. God still loves you. That's not the point. You can't do both living spiritually and living sinfully. We're not talking about losing salvation. Of course, you hear me say that all the time, but we're not. We're not talking about losing salvation. We're talking about you can't live spiritually and sinfully at the same time and do it happily. You can't. You can't walk for Christ and walk with Satan and do it on that line. You can't do it. You can't do it. I never had good balance. Never, you guys, my poor mama. I try to walk up, boom, boom. Could never do it. They used to put me on a balance beam in middle school. You don't do that to a fat man. You just don't do it. You don't put a fat boy who has bad balance on a balance beam, and it's probably two, three feet off the ground, and you put a fat boy who has no balance on that thing, and, and, and not just that, you put him in, all, in front of all the pretty girls who he's trying to impress, who's not impressed with him anyway because he likes all sorts of stupid things, and I'm sitting there, one step, two step, three step, shpoom. I try it again, one step, two step, three step, boom. How many Christians? think that they're going to be balanced when they have a lot of heavy sin and a very light amount of Christianity. And I'm talking about walking for Christ. And they're like, I know a couple of verses, but I'm doing all sorts of sin. Folks, you can't be balanced. You know why? Because you have a lot of fat sin on this side and very little lightness on this and you're imbalanced. You can't do it, folks. Don't get on that balanced beam of sin. Can't do it. It's a narrow path following God. Follow 
follow. And I know what you're doing right now. You're trying to imagine me doing all that balance beam. I know it. It's not a pretty sight. Children of God are to be obedient to God and turn away from sinful nature. We're to hate sin too, because God does. And we're to be best pals with Jesus. Not just best pals. We're to be his best friend. We're to be his children, because we're God's children. We're to be with him daily, talking to him. When you're best friends with someone you know him so well, you can know what he's going to say. Hear him. Be intimidated to go against him. Talk about the Lord. And you don't want to hurt him. And most importantly, you want to be with him. Be in tune with him. I personally want to hug Jesus every day and hold him. Be in a dance with him. I don't want to be apart from that. Why would I want to be apart from that? Walk with him. Talk with him. Come on. That's what we want to be. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Do you, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And we're talking about people who are living in sin and willfully doing it, not wanting to come out of it. We're talking about those who don't know the Lord. Neither be sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, drunkards, nor rival, uh, rivalers, nor executioners, Will inherit the kingdom of God. How many people are living in these sinful lives nowadays and they love it? They want to marvel in it. And so many foolish churches are praising them for it. Oh, God made you that way. Be that way. And I'm talking about all these things, by the by. Not just one type of lifestyle, all of them. This one says in 1 John 3 4. 1 John 3 4 says, Whoever practices sin breaks the law, for sin is lawlessness. And they say, Yeah, well, we don't live by the law anymore. No. No, no, we don't because Jesus fulfilled the law. By the way, this was written after Jesus had died and risen from the dead. So John is saying we still should obey those things of the law, not because we are saved by law, but because these parts of the law, talking about those Ten Commandments, these parts of the law are still something that we should follow. They're a basis of ritual life. Proverbs 8, 13. Write that down. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord, remember, following, honor, respect. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. This is to be a reminder. So God hates sin so much that God turned away from Jesus when Jesus was on the cross because Jesus was dying for all sin. Now, he did not literally become sin. Some people like to say he literally became sin and went to hell. No, he didn't. He went to paradise after when he died. The other side of Hades, the grave. But he was up there as a representation of all sin. And so Jesus was turned away from God when God was on the, when Jesus was on the cross. God had to turn away from him. He couldn't he cannot bear sin. He cannot handle sin. He hates sin. So he turned away from his own son, himself in a sense. He turned away from his own son. He said, Father God, why have that forsaken me? Well, we know 
But listen, as I say so often, you know it, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. This is why Jesus went up there, because he wanted it to save us. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. He did it for you. Because we were going to hell. We're going to hell if you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Without him, there is no other way to heaven. You're going to hell. And I don't say that mean. I say it because I love you. And I want you to go to heaven. And I say that to you because there are many, 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 many false teachers out there. False preachers. Says that God loves you and all the things that you do because he wouldn't love you if he doesn't love all that you do and all that you are. He loves all lifestyles, some say. That's a lie. You see, there's a really good liar in the Bible. I don't mean that he's good, but he's good at lying. It's called Satan. I'm not saying that all these ministers don't know the Lord, but they're selfish. You know why they're selfish? They're selfish enough to lie to you. Can you imagine being a Christian? Yeah, you can, because you are. But can you imagine going out to your family and your friends and saying, hey, I'm already saved. I can lie to them and make them feel good for the moment and send them to hell. What kind of loving person would you be to send someone to hell? I can't imagine that these people are saved. Now, I'm not saying they aren't. I have no idea where they stand. But I can't imagine purposely lying to someone. The only way I can imagine that is if I didn't know the truth myself. So this is why I have a hard time believing that they are saved. Or they're so selfish and so deceived by the enemy himself I don't know. It's one or the other, but I'm not going to do all that right now. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read all of it. 21 verses. Now, we read a pretty good amount of it just a week ago. But 1 John chapter 4 says this. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, remember, they're talking about salvation through him and all that. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, what he's saying is that anyone says that Jesus is the only way, okay? This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember that you're greater than Satan. Not you, but he who's in you, okay? Okay, they are of the world, and therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are of God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not of God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7, beloved, let us not, excuse me, let us love one another. For the love of God and everyone who loves is, excuse me, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love 
does not know God. For God is love. See, it makes a lot more sense when you say it that way. In this way, the love of God has revealed to us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we must also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. We know, verse 13, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, God's love is perfected in us so that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now this is talking about being afraid, okay? That kind of fear. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears is not perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? We have this commandment from him, Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Praise the Lord God. What a beautiful, beautiful book. So are we saying that God doesn't love? No, no, no. There's an unloving, there's an ungodly teaching. An ungodly teaching saying that God loves everybody and everything they do. That's ungodly. He loves them, but he loves them so much that he doesn't love everything that they do. He loves them enough to tell them they're wrong for living an ungodly life. He loves them enough to say, no, no, no. Listen, if you were a mommy or a daddy or a grandma or a grandpa and you saw your kid eating poison, you said, don't do that. I love you. Don't eat the poison. Don't eat the poison. When I was a kid, we had mothballs in the, in the closets. And we used to hide in the closets. And you may not guess this by looking at me. I like to eat things. And my mom and dad would have to say, now, now, son, don't go eating those when you see them. It's not candy. I know it looks a little bit like those little malt balls. You know? It's not. They're moth balls, and it's poison. It will kill you. So don't go eating those when you see them. Don't, play, don't even touch them, dad would say. Don't touch them. And mom say, would say, remind me, now, son, you can play in the closet, but, but, don't, look, but, but don't, don't touch those, honey. And she would tell me over and over again. And after a while, you like, I know, I know, I know. But don't you know, I see those things like, what are those again? I go to look at it, and then I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. Those are the mothballs because they tell me again and again and again. And I wouldn't touch them. I remember some of my brothers would look at it and say, oh, look at it. Said, no, no, no. Mom and dad said no. Mom and dad said no. Folks, God told us to stay away from sin. He reminds us again and again and again and again and again and again through the Bible. Don't play with sin. Don't play with sin. 
Stay away from the mothballs of sin, folks. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. It's not candy. Stay away from sin. Quit snacking on it. Pick up the word and eat it and live on it. Thirst on it. Pick up the word. Live on it daily. Put down that mothball. No, 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 no. Don't get near it again. I'm not saying this to be a big meanie. As people try to say God is. No, he loves you. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell forever. Don't listen to the people on TV. Yeah, but the government said, I don't care what the government says. I don't care who the president is. Jesus is my king. Amen. Yeah, but so-and-so said on that sitcom, it's a situation comedy. They're actors. Who cares what they say? They don't know much. God knows everything. And he came and lived and died and rose again. He wants to save you. Yeah, but I like that guy. I like him too, and I want him to go to heaven. I like that woman too, and I want her to go to heaven. Yeah, but she's pretty, but she's ugly with them because of sin just like you are. I may joke about being handsome, but folks, I'm going to tell you something. Deep down, without Jesus Christ, I was ugly as sin. And that's serious. And if it hadn't been me for calling upon Jesus Christ, I'd be going to hell. And so are you, if you haven't asked Jesus in your heart today. And that could change this very day. Call upon Jesus because he's all loving to all people. But he hates the sin that you have. And that's why he wants to save you. Because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to die for eternity. He wants you to be saved this very day. But I'm good enough to go to heaven. No, you're not. You're bad enough to die forever. I'll talk about that in an upcoming sermon. You mean I'm not good enough? No. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And doggone it, Jesus loves you. Okay. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Because we can't direct it ourselves. That's the problem with the world today. So many people want to say, do what seems good to you. You do you. I hate that phrase. You do you. I think it sounds gross. But that being said, um, the fact of the matter is, is if you are leaning to your own understanding, you're your own God. If you're leading to your own understanding, you're leading people. And you tell people to do that, you're leading people to hell. You are. How about these Christians that say, I can do what I want to do because God's already saved me by grace. Well, okay, but here's the thing. You're also misleading people by them watching you do that. And you shouldn't only be going by grace. Yes, we go by grace, but we acknowledge God being our God by following him. By our actions, we are known. By our actions, we show how much we love him. If we say we love our mom and dad, and then we disobey them by every rule of the house and we're breaking out and doing terrible things at night. But I love my mom and dad. Then follow them. Do what they told you to do. I love mom and dad, but I'm going to break everything in the house. And I'm going to tell you something. If I had done that, my mom and dad would break me. Praise the Lord for that. That's why God, was, he did things to the Israelites when they were disobedient. Does that mean they didn't go to heaven? No. But it did mean that they got punished when they were disobedient to him. And you will too. That doesn't mean you're not going to heaven, but it does mean you're going to get some spankings. And you did it yourself. Why does God make bad things? Now, I'm not going to say everything bad that happens to you is your fault. Some of it is. Some of it is. And you know it. Proverbs 97.10. Proverbs 97.10. You who love the Lord hate evil. I'll say it again. You who love the Lord hate evil. You who love the Lord hate evil. 
I don't know why I'm saying that, but I think of this. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the lives of his devoted ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Stay away from the wicked things. Now, some things happen in life. But you know what? If you're, if you're hanging around in the pool of bad things, you know that pool is going to get you. Hang, stay away from it. 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A couple more verses. Romans 12 9. Romans 12 9. Let love. Oh, this is good. The world needs to remember this. For all those hypocrisy churches that think that we can do anything we want to do, listen to this. Romans 12 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, cleave to what is good. What a lot of those churches do, and the, the young man, I don't even want to call him a minister, the young man uh, who was saying that God is the evil one and Satan was right, <laughs> that's what he was saying. Oh, him be. But when he's saying all those things, he was cleaving to what is evil and hating what was good. And I pray for Brandon. And I've been praying for him a lot. Not just him, but others who are following. His love is uh, hypocritical. How can you hate the Lord and call yourself one of God's children? John 3, 36. This also is New American Standard Bible because I want it to be simple and very easily understood. John 3, 36. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. This is this is for us, his children. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But listen to this. But the one who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Pray for those who are being misled. Pray for those who believe that God is all-loving. Is God all-loving? Is he? Yes. God loves all people. He came. He lived. He died. He rose for all people. But God hates all sin. He does not hate them that do the sin, but he hates the enemy Satan who's misleading them to live in sin. So because of that, so many people are going to hell believing they're saved because they think that they can just do what they want to do. And then there are some Christians who really are Christians, but they're living in sin because they think, well, since I'm saved by grace, I don't need to be an example. And that's leading others to sin. So pray that people will understand the difference between God being an all-loving God to all people and the difference between God who does not love all sin. Okay? There's a difference between loving all sinners and loving all sin. A great difference. Is he all-loving? Yes. Is he all-loving towards sin? No. Not at all. But God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. If you're suffering right now from a sin that seems to have a clutch on you, maybe it's hatred towards someone or something. Maybe it's lust. And by the way, I don't just mean sexual lust. Maybe it's lust over something that has a hold of you. Violence, anger, vulgar language. 
And you know, I can understand certain sins. I really can, because I have had them too. Different ones. Maybe it's gluttony. I don't know. Maybe it's something different. But God can help you with that. That doesn't mean that you're not saved, but it does mean that something is trying to have a hold upon you and be your Lord. But the Lord God, your true Lord God, put him first that he can help you with those things. God loves you enough not to let go of you and help you to let go of those things. Let your love of God be first. And it will, your love of God will help you to let go of your love for those things. I promise you, it really will. The Lord loves you because he is all loving for you. And let's close by reading Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8 says, God, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And remember that. Each and every day. Let us bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I thank you this day for every one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for my dear brother Leon today as we celebrate the day that he was born and every day that he's lived. I pray for my dear brother Denny Miles as we celebrate him and we thank you for the life that he has lived. I pray that you be with his family today as he suffers and as they suffer. I pray that you welcome him home, Lord, with arms open wide. I pray that he feels your love. I pray that they do too. I pray, Lord God, for all the people who are ill today, that you strengthen them and allow them to feel your love, and you love us all. I pray for those, Lord, who are searching for salvation. And they're confused because of certain ministries that have misled and have confused them by the word all loving, or the phrase, excuse me. I pray that they understand that you love all people, even those who have done wrong. You love them, but you don't love what they have done. And Lord God, I pray that they will not be confused. Even in the Bible, when you talk about hating those, you're speaking about what those have done, not them personally, because you died for them too. And Lord God, I do pray that today you'll have more children calling out to you for salvation and that there will be a great great revival. And we see that it's happening throughout this nation right now in certain areas. I pray there'll be more. And people will call unto you this very day and there'll be a great revival in this church and all the true churches around us, Lord. I pray for this in your holy, precious name. And thank you for all of your love. In Jesus' most holy, precious name, amen and amen.